Hey, everyone. Before we get into the episode today, this episode would be really helpful to have a visual aid go along with it. So we have posted on our Instagram, Sister Sue Posh, a visual aid to help bring this episode to life. All right, back to the show. Hi, I'm Taylor. And I'm Maddie. And it's time for another episode of Sisters Who Posh. We are two sisters who love thrifting and have been reselling online for the past few years. We are sharing all of our best tips and tricks along the way, as well as setting goals and updating our progress each week with brand new episodes every Tuesday. Hello, hello. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Sisters Who Posh. This week, we will be talking about keywords to put in your Poshmark listings. When you are just getting started reselling, there's so many new terms to describe clothes that you probably never knew existed. And I feel like this is the episode we both wish we could have found like two years ago. So yes. <laughs> we wanted to make it today. If there's any new resellers out there, or even if you've been around for a while, hopefully you can learn a few new terms that you can add to your listings to make them more searchable. So before we get into all of that, what's going on this week? This week, I decided to try something a little different on my Poshmark. For like a long time on one of the shelves in my inventory system, I've had a few beauty products that are new in box that I've been wanting to dabble in listing them on my Poshmark. Basically where I got them from, I used to be subscribed to, it's called Birchbox. It's like a, oh yeah, basically a subscription box. You pay $10 a month and you get to try out different like beauty and skincare product samples. Really fun. Really recommend doing it. I might need to re-sign <laughs> up because I kind of forgot about it. And then there's also one called Ipsy that I've tried before too basically the same thing after being signed up for it for a few months you start getting like almost too many beauty products that you can to actually like try and use and it just like seems like they're always coming and suddenly your makeup and skincare drawers of your bathroom are just filled with like too many things so i ended up decluttering some that i have literally never even opened they're new in box and i'm like i'm gonna just list these on my poshmark because they do have beauty as a category you can list So I did that this week. I went through, I only had like four or five that I was willing to part with that were new in box, but (laughs) I got them listed on my closet and I'm excited to see how they do. Cause I've mentioned before how I really like buying like skincare stuff on Poshmark for a deal because some of that stuff can get pretty expensive. And there's a whole section of beauty products that are new new in box, never been opened, never been used on Poshmark. So I really like checking there if there's like a new product that I want to try. Yeah. So I have four new beauty listings. Check it out on my Poshmark if you're interested. Awesome. <laughs> and I'll let you know if any of them sell. I'm very excited. Yeah. Keep us posted. They were super easy to list too, because it's like you just snap the photos of them <laughs> and it's really easy to find a cover photo. That's like a stock photo for them. True. And really easy to find like a description because pretty much all of them are still for sale. It's rare that beauty products get actually retired from being sold. So yeah, easy. And if you can't find the description, like just write what's ever on the bottle. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. All the info's there. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, another update this week is I finally went through my inventory a little bit and I decided to pull basically all of the items that have been hanging around since like May, June, 2020 now we're in 2022 we need to figure this out you know (laughs) yeah so i'm setting them to the side and i'm planning to bring them into buffalo this week along with some items that i've been picking up at the bins so this will be like my first official time going back to buffalo to try our game-changing new technique of bringing the lower cost or older items in to buffalo and trying to flip it out for some better inventory and I'm just going to feel so good to have those items, like, out of my house, you know? Like, they've been here oh, for two years. For sure. Like, I've no one them. has wanted them. <laughs> yeah. I've moved them from my apartment to my house. They're still here a year later. Like, it's time. The time is now. Yeah. I think that's a big part of being a reseller, of just, like, not getting too attached to items. And, like, thinking of it, like, emotionally, where sometimes you just have to make, like, a decision. Yeah. To Definitely move on agree. from something. Time to cut my losses. Yes. What's new with you this week? So I did some sourcing this week and again, just taking my own advice with the 2022 goals of streamlining my processes. I photographed some items, I listed them on Poshmark, and I cross listed them to Mercari. And then deleted the pictures from my phone all in one day, which is huge. It's like get a round of applause. Yeah. Like they're not even on my phone. It's like they never existed. And uh, it's awesome. I feel like that is such a routine I want to get into and like always follow because I feel like cross-listing a lot of the times is like an afterthought where I'm like, oh, I could cross-list some of the stuff I got over the last like month. And then trying to, like, get the pictures all together. But just doing it up front, especially now, I feel like I was more selective on what I would put on Mercari in the past. Where now, if it's, like, something that is bulkier, I'll just, like, put it up with the buyer paying for the shipping, you know. Yeah. Rather than just skipping it. Yeah. And it's so easy if you have the pictures, like, at your fingertips already to just cross-list it in the moment. So, I'm really proud of myself. I really want to keep doing that. When I used to work at H&M, we always had this saying of like, you can't sell something if it's in the stock room, which I feel like applies to this where yeah, sometimes if we have stuff in our stock room and there's space on the sales floor, you got to like move it to the sales floor. Otherwise, like no one's ever going to be able to buy it if it's just like sitting in the back room and they can't even see it. And same goes right. with cross-listing on Mercari. It's like you already took all the pictures. Might as well just in the moment. Like no one can – no one even has a chance to buy it from you on Mercari if you don't at least just put it up, you know? Yeah, totally. Okay. So this week we had a listener reach out with an email to us and also a listener win that we wanted to share with everyone. So we got a message from Mrs. Rushhold. Rushhold. Don't know how to say your last name. Sorry. Um, She sent us a message that said, love your podcast. And I listen to it when I drive to my bins two hours away. Thanks to your podcast. I knew what a Goldie jeans were when I saw them at my local thrift store for $6. You two are so fun. And I appreciate all the wisdom you share with us newbie resellers. Looking forward to more episodes in the new year. Happy holidays. I just thought that was so nice of a message. And also, awesome. what a win to find a Goldie's for six bucks. Oh, 
Wow, that's amazing. Can hardly Great job. That. Keep an eye out on your thrift stores for a Goldies, apparently. They might be out there in the wild for yes. a good price. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next up, we have our listener Q&A section. This week, we received a question asking, do you use style tags? Yes. So this is referring to on Poshmark, Depop, Mercari, there's like a spot where you can almost like add hashtags to your listing of like, yeah, kind of like overarching categories that it could fall into. Usually it's like boho or I don't know any other one. <laughs> <laughs> Dreamy cottage core. Vintage. Yeah, vintage. Just different qualifiers to describe your listing. And that way, I guess it would probably help with searchability. To be honest, I like never use these. Do you? So when they first came out on Poshmark, I didn't realize you could like make your own. I thought the, there was like 10 like pre-made ones and I thought you had to only use those <laughs> for like a long time. So I would like put them in there and they would not really make sense. <laughs> so that probably even hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> but then I realized you can like type your own. So I typically do them and I don't, I use it as more of like, the top keywords from the listing I'll put in there again. So I'll put like oversized or embroidered or high-waisted. Like those are the main ones I'm doing in there. Yeah. Over the summer, I was putting like summer in all of them, (laughs) (laughs) which again, I'm not really sure if that was working, but I feel like. Maybe like vacation would be a good one. Yeah. Or like beach. Yeah. I would do that. So yeah, I, I typically use them. If there's nothing that seems appropriate to put in there, then I don't. But typically I'm doing three style tags. On Mercari, I don't anymore. I just move on. Just skipped it. Yeah. Yeah. When we first started on Poshmark, before they had the spot to, to add style tags like that, I would like actually in the description write like tags and then write like yeah different words I feel like that was like a thing on Poshmark for a while so I can see why they added it I feel like I just never use it because like you said I feel like I would just be putting the same words that are already in my description but maybe I should still do that like you're doing because it can't hurt well I think when you're like searching for an item if you type in like high-waisted Madewell jeans or something I think the style tags come up at the top and you could click on it. So if you wanted like to stress or something, oh, you would click yeah. that. So I do think it helps with the searchability of adding yeah. a couple things in there. Hmm. I'm not sure how much people are actually clicking on that, but it is, it is out there. So. Well, also I love this question because it ties perfectly into today's main topic, which is all about keywords. We're trying to kind of create a keyword glossary of terms to use to describe your items for your Poshmark listings or listings on other platforms. All right, so we have a few different categories, different descriptions for different parts of the clothing that are good to know as a reseller. So our first categories is necklines. There's so many different necklines when it comes to shirts, tops, dresses. And if you don't know some of the words to use, I feel like we were just kind of like making things up or just like using the synonyms that we thought we're kind of right but it is yeah now that we've been doing reselling for two years it's good to like do a little research and learn 
what the actual terms are for some of these different necklines. That way you can use them when you have a shirt that meets the criteria. Should we go through some of the like oddballs or? Yeah. So one that was new to me once I started reselling was the boat neckline. I am realizing I wear a lot of boat neckline shirts. Yeah, that's like one <laughs> of your kind favorite of necklines. <laughs> yeah. And basically it's just a like crew neck, but then a little bit farther off to the sides. <laughs> yes. Like a wide crew neck. Yes. But not quite off the shoulder. Exactly. Um, I feel like brands like J Crew, Gap, like use that neckline a lot. Yeah. So that's a good one to know for those. Another neckline I feel like that's like super popular right now is like a square neckline. Yeah. I see it a lot in like dresses especially or tops. Like I'm thinking like Princess Polly. Um, for sure. Very like revolve to have like a square neckline. And I feel like sometimes I don't necessarily note the neckline in my descriptions, but that'd be a good thing to start doing because I'm sure that's a searchable word that people are looking for since it's such a popular style right now. Yeah. Another one would be the difference between like a mock neck or a turtleneck Mm. where I think of a mock neck as being a little bit smaller of a turtleneck and then the turtleneck is like really high up and like cuffed over like touching your chin (laughs) yeah where I think before Poshmark I would just say all of them were turtlenecks (laughs) yeah definitely and then also kind of in the same family there's also the cowl neck which is like a turtleneck that's a little bit more like drapey and loose so that's a good word to know um if you're have a sweater or something that meets that neckline I feel like the off the shoulder we've seen that a lot over the last few years that's a good one to know if when it actually sits like past the boat neck, like actually off your shoulder. Yeah. To use that as a keyword when you're listings. The wrap neckline is a good one too, where I think I would call that more of like a V neck in the past, but you could, you if it is a true wrap where it like opens up, you could yes. call it a wrap or you could call it a. The surplus. Oh, yeah. That's like when it's like a wrap, but like almost like a fake wrap. Yeah, that's what I was trying to think of. Another one where it gets confusing, where it might be worth to go look at one of these neckline images that we searched online, because there's like, you got your round necks, you got your crew necks, and you've got your scoop necks, which are all a little different. And it is kind of good to know the difference. Like a crew neck is a round neck that's like a little higher up. A round neck is more just like a classic round neck. And then a scoop is more like, I think of like those tank tops that have like a little wider of a round neck. Yeah, a little bit lower. Yeah. So those are some of the necklines that we found confusing in the past and have really dialed in as we've become resellers. We've heard the tip too. Like, don't be afraid to use like simple like I know when we were first starting it's like we're using the wrong words on accident sometimes to describe things but you want to think as a customer too like any words that would fit the criteria sometimes you just want to use them all in your description that way yeah people can find it yeah so if it is like 
a mock neck. Sometimes I'll include turtlenecks still, but making yeah. sure I have both of them in there. So it's like the people that know it's a mock neck can find it. And the people that are not are a little confused on the wording still can also still find it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You got to like think of your least experience with like all these terms, customer, making sure that they could still find your listing too. Right. Okay, our next category is dress silhouettes. This one is really good to know as a reseller, especially if you're on Mercari, because they actually require, if you're selling dresses, it's like one of the required categories, like with an asterisk next to it, that you include the dress silhouette. And I feel like half the time I'm just guessing on those, you know? Same. That, and then they have to put what the dress occasion is. And I'm like, I always say wedding guest, even, (laughs) I don't know. I'm like, this is probably actually casual, but to me, I'm like, this is kind of fancy. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if we should actually look up to wedding dress occasions if there's like a glossary like the ones we're looking Ooh, at. That yeah. to know. But first, we'll start with the silhouettes. Um, okay. So a popular silhouette that I see a lot is the shift dress. That yes. is kind of just like a tank top style dress. Could be a t-shirt too. But where it's just like kind of shapeless, just like straight down almost like an A-line, just like flows straight from the shoulder seam down. Yes. And that's one that like sometimes when you're looking at a dress, it's hard to describe the shape of it because it doesn't really have a shape. And you don't want to just use words like shapeless because that sounds kind of like unflattering when you're describing yeah. it. Um, so the the term for that would be shift dress. One that was new to me is the shirt dress. So it is like almost like a button down shirt, but continues on to a dress where I feel like I would put in like collared, like yes. pretty good descriptions, but like button down, but like it is actually a shirt dress is the formal name for it. So that's also a good one to know. There's also an empire waist dress. That is where kind of like the shift dress, very similar, but there'll be a little bit of waist definition, like right underneath the bust line. And then it will flare straight out from there. I feel like that's us, that empire waist kind of like baby doll style. Yeah. I used to describe it was pretty popular in the early 2000s. So especially with some of the Y2K trends coming back around right now, that's a good word to keep your eye on for tops and dresses. If you have a dress that has like spaghetti straps, do you call it spaghetti straps or what's the best term for that? <laughs> yeah. So I've used, I think for dresses, I, the words I use a lot for if it's like a tank dress like that is like a sleepless dress or I'll write like mm. thin adjustable straps. I usually do use spaghetti strap too, because I feel like that's a term that like I for sure use. A lot of people use. Yeah. 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 I don't know if that's like the technical term, but I feel like people would be searching that if they're looking for something like that. One of the ones that we're looking at here is like a slip dress, which I feel like a lot Mm, of those spaghetti strap, thin strap dresses, if they're like more of like a satiny material, more of like a straight down cut, not like an A-line skirt, a lot of those could be classified as a slip dress as well. A big one for dresses too that we use a lot is like the descriptors that describe the length of the dress. So there's like maxi dresses, midi dresses, mini dresses. Yeah, I feel like that's a really good descriptor. If someone's looking for a dress, or if I'm looking for a dress, that's like the starting point for me of like, 
What length are we going for? What length yeah. am I trying to get going for this? Another popular dress style right now is the bodycon style. So that just means like form fitting, typically like a mini dress too. Definitely a good one to know. I feel like on like Revolve or Princess Polly, that's a super popular dress style they're selling currently. I'm just looking right next to that on here. So I'm going to do one more quick too. Okay. One that I like definitely did not know until we started researching for this episode is the word sheath dress, which kind of looks like a pencil skirt dress, like businesswoman. Mm. I've never known the term sheath dress, but I'm sure that would be a good one to know if you are selling kind of like a corporate business professional style dress like that, where it's almost like a pencil skirt attached to a shirt. (laughs) Yeah. I've never known that one. And then also... For like prom dresses or bridesmaids dresses, using the term ball gown or like formal gown, I feel like that's a really good term to use that that I don't think about a lot for like a more formal dress. Right. Because if someone's looking for like a military ball gown, they're probably not going to type in like prom dress, you know? Yeah. But it's like the same kind of style of dress. Yeah. Just the word gown in general. I feel like I don't. Yeah. I feel like I think Cinderella, like I don't use that word a lot, you know? And then, but that, that is a good word to describe those. Like, so if someone's looking for a specific event, like you're saying that they'll yeah. be able to find it without being like bridesmaid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Then our next category is sleeve lengths. This and sleeve styles too, I guess. So this is another way to describe the item really well is what kind of sleeve it has. Yeah, there's so many different types. I feel like at the beginning, I would just call everything like a bell sleeve. And it was really like a balloon sleeve. (laughs) Where a bell sleeve is like, it is shaped like a bell. Like it just goes from close to your arm to all the way like really wide. Where a balloon sleeve does the same kind of thing, but then gets skinny at the end around your wrist. I feel like those I just used interchangeably. (laughs) So there's the bell sleeve that's super wide. There's also like kind of a similar to the bell sleeve too, where it's still super wide at the end, but it's like more of a trumpet where it's like skinny almost to your elbow and then gets wide at the bottom. Yeah. So using like a trumpet sleeve um, or and also still using bell sleeve for that because you just never know what the person looking for it is going to be searching it as. And then, like you said, the balloon sleeve. I feel like that's so big right now, like a big, puffy, voluminous sleeve. And I feel like balloon sleeve is like the modern way that it's being described. But looking at some of these like glossaries, that kind of sleeve also was known as like a bishop sleeve, where it has like Mm. a skinny, where it cinches back on your wrist. It almost looks like a bishop sleeve, differs from a balloon sleeve i feel like a balloon sleeve is like wide the whole sleeve where a bishop sleeve is like gets really wide towards your wrist and then cinches back in at your wrist yeah just slightly different yeah another one i use a lot to describe my items is the drop sleeve where you think of like a normal sleeve starts on like the top of your shoulders but the drop sleeve starts at like a little bit down on your arm already i feel like free people that's the style they have a lot is the drop yeah, where sleeve, the shoulders so. kind of dropped 
Yeah. It just makes it a little more, like, slouchy of a style. So that's a good one to know. Yeah. Also, there. this kind of reminds me of free people, too, where there's, like, a dolman sleeve where yeah. on the opposite side, like, your armpit is almost dropped a little bit. So it's not, like, on a normal sleeve. It's your, your, It usually starts, like, right at your armpit where this will start more, like, at your waist and then come yeah. together towards your wrist. Almost like a bat wing, but not quite. Kind of just like a dropped, slouchy fit shirt. I see a lot of that from free people, for sure. Yeah. Especially, like, cropped shirts. I feel like have that a lot. The cold shoulder sleeve is also a good one to know. I didn't know that name for a while and was calling it, like, off the shoulder. Which it, like, kind of is, but there is just no shoulders. (laughs) So that... The cold shoulder is the one that has, it's like a tank top almost, and then it has like sleeves so you can see your shoulders on both sides. Yeah, little cutouts almost. Okay, and then a big trend that we see a lot right now is like the puff sleeve, especially for like a short sleeve mm-hmm. shirt. Yeah. And now that I'm looking at these, we have like a types of sleeve graphic we're looking at. We'll share it on our Instagram. There's like so many different terms for these little puff shoulders that I did not know. So, if you're listening to this, maybe just do a Google of like, there's like a puff sleeve and then they have one called a raglan sleeve. Is that how you say it? Yeah. It looks like almost the way the hem of it is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I feel like for spring, I see that kind of sleeve all the time. So that would be a good word to know. And for us to like research a little bit more of how to use it correctly, because I feel like that's a really popular sleeve type. And then same with the Juliet sleeve. That looks like a long sleeve, but it has a little bit of a puff. Mm-hmm. And then leg of mutton. That is like a really weird term. But that's another like spring blouse style that I feel like I see a lot that I never knew had a name. <laughs> right. Like I would just call that a puff sleeve. <laughs> yeah. All of these I would have just called puff sleeve. But it's kind of good to know that there's some of these other terms. And I'm definitely going to be wanting to look into this a little more. Yeah. Okay. So that's a lot of the silhouettes and like the shapes of different styles but we had a few other categories we wanted to go over one of them is there's just so many different types of plaid and knowing the difference of the different like stripe patterns of plaid can help you describe it better for your listing so we just wanted to go over some of those as well so the first one is the gingham plaid this one i think of as like picnic blanket yeah (laughs) very checked Yes, very checked, just like super organized. It's very like small too, like the print pattern. Like two colors. Yep. Very picnic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that was like a big trend the last couple of years too with like dresses. And I feel like I see that on Princess Polly dresses a lot. Yeah. Of like a gingham print like that. For sure. Very summery and spring. Yes. Another kind of check that I see a lot more in the fall, especially in like plaid flannels and like shackets is like a buffalo check or just like check, they call it, where it's like the, it's almost like gingham, but like instead of being tiny squares, the squares are like huge. They're like big, like Mm. three inch by three inch, but it's like more of a squared check pattern just like gingham more of a lumber lumberjack vibe more of a lumberjack vibe exactly (laughs) very lumberjack yeah that's a good one to know 
Another one is the houndstooth plaid. So this one is, it's like plaid, but a little bit like sideways. And a little bit like, funky. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like it was really popular in like the 80s. That's at least what I think it's of. It's screaming the nanny named Fran. Exactly. <laughs> but with all the vintage items you might be picking up, it's a good one to know. It's very like distinct. If someone is looking for this style, they're probably going to be typing in houndstooth. So if you have something of that, definitely add it to your listing. One that I didn't know the term for until we were researching is there's a style of plaid called Glen plaid. It's kind of what I think of as like a traditional like suiting plaid, like blazer. Usually yeah. it's like gray black like there's like squares but then within the squares there's like mini stripes and then there's usually even like one thread of like a color faintly in there like a blue or a pink or a red or something um think like a blazer jacket that kind of plaid um you could use the word glen plaid to describe that and i've never heard that (laughs) yeah that's really good to know when we're picking up like vintage blazers definitely add that in another plaid that we just learned as well is the madras plaid this one it seems like it is in more of like bold bright spring colors and the the squares of the plaid are like different sizes so it's like less uniform it seems like it's more kind of like fun i would think of these as like vacation kind of shirts or like beach wear maybe yeah or even like some flannels, I feel like when like if you think of like the more like colorful American Eagle ones from back in the day, like some of them have that more where there's like wider stripes and then thinner stripes and like colorful yeah. and like a spring flannel from American Eagle in like two thousand eight Bermuda yeah. short. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Another one that I f- see a lot with Madewell is there's two of them. So there's window pane plaid and Tattersall tattersall plaid so i'm not too sure of the difference it looks like tattersall plaid's just maybe a little bit smaller of a print like more thin smaller yeah. squares where windowpane plaid is plaid is more like the buffalo check we talked about before but it's just like almost like a grid pattern of just like a really simple grid flannel print yeah and I've noticed when I've, I feel like I learned the term windowpane plaid because a lot of times certain Madewell styles will be like, it'll literally call it windowpane in the title. And I just never put it mm. together. I thought it was just like, I just thought it was you're, like a title they were making you're up, like, like oh, dancing that's in the wind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, oh, it just looks like a windowpane. But windowpane <laughs> is the term for this certain kind of like square, big grid plaid. And then it looks like Tattersall is like the smaller Got it. Yeah, I feel like the window window pane plaid is k- kind of more like understated of the plaids we've gone over today. Yeah, yeah. It's most like subtle. Yeah, for sure. So, so many different plaids, and there's even more. You could definitely do a whole deep dive on just the types of plaids that there are. But I feel like just knowing these eight of them gives you kind of a better way to describe than just using the word plaid or checkered or whatever. I was using in my descriptions before. (laughs) Right. Well, and just being aware of all the different types of plaid or necklines or sleeve lengths and all that, it'll make you stop and look up what it is actually called while you're making the listing rather than just like kind of not knowing it. You know, you don't know what you don't know. So yeah. 
And like we said, we'll post on our Instagram the graphics that we're looking at with the different sleeve lengths, dress lengths, and necklines and plaid so you can follow along (laughs) and also use them in future. Sometimes it's easier if you can see it to understand. Yeah. It's a little hard to describe some of these on a podcast, but we're trying our best. (laughs) (laughs) So some other tips when it comes to describing items We've noticed like different brands or even regions of the world will call things different names. So like Princess Polly, for example, they call their rompers when it's like shorts attached to a tank top, basically. They call those play suits on Princess Polly. So once I learned that, I added that to the description names of my Princess Polly items and had really good luck of selling Princess Polly this past summer. So just being aware that they call rompers play suits. I have started adding play suits to like other rompers. I've That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Just since that. like they're probably just helps kind with searchability. Of, it's kind of reminding me how like Gen Z and millennials were like going back and forth earlier in the year when Gen Z was coming out with flared yoga pants or flared leggings and all the millennials were like those are yoga pants like we've already yeah. had those but you want to be using like the current term so like since princess polly is calling them play suits maybe the younger generation is also calling them play suits so you got to be relevant you know right definitely another one for depop i think this is because depop is like international that they call sweaters jumpers on depop i feel like that's a very like european thing to do but something to keep in mind you could even do that i might try it on poshmark too of just adding jumpers or jumper to your sweater listings yeah you never know like if if people you know if someone's always calling it a jumper then that's what they're going to be searching so you want to make sure that they can find your items too right Okay. And then another different category we want to go over is just different types of like textiles and fabrics. So for the most part, I feel like in my descriptions, I feel like I usually just take a picture of the fabric contents tag and then like never write about it again in my descriptions. (laughs) Yeah. And that's something that maybe I could do a better job of. I feel like right now there's like certain brands that are known for being like sustainable and high quality. And with that, they're made of like more natural materials and people are now like on the lookout for these certain materials when they're searching. The first one we want to talk about is cotton. Obviously cotton is a great material. It's naturally made and, you know, easy to like wash and like keep up with and all of that. But within cotton, there's like a few other ways it's described sometimes or ways that it's made, I guess people are on the lookout for, I feel like now more than ever. So sometimes on the tag, it will specify that it's made with like organic cotton. That's a good word to then include in your description in case someone is searching for like only organic clothing. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know a lot of big clothing brands have goals to be like only using organic cotton in the future. So I feel like we're going to be seeing like more and more of that. But I feel like that's a good term to know to use in your descriptions. If you have a piece that you're trying to sell that is already made of organic cotton, that could be a big selling point for someone. Another one is linen. So this is a type of cotton. Think of linen as like beachy. Breezy. <laughs> Breezy. Perfect for light. spring and summer coming up. 
Yeah. So if you check the contents of, or you check the the tag and it says linen, that's another one I definitely add into the description itself because people are searching for specifically like linen items. Sometimes on the tag, it'll be even be like half linen, half something else. So then it's good to even write like linen blend or like, yeah, just really want to advertise the linen because people would be looking for that. Another one that goes along with linen is tinsel. So this is kind of similar to linen. It kind of looks the same. So this would be another one to add right into the description as well, because someone might be looking for that fabric. Yeah. And I feel like the big selling point with tinsel too is it's a, it's like a sustainably made fabric made from natural fibers. I think it's made from wood pulp. I, I've noticed like a lot of like, there's, there's like certain brands that are like high end sell for a lot that one of their big selling points is being made with like natural materials. And I see tinsel from them a lot. So if you have mm. another piece that's made from tinsel. Yeah, I feel like it. cloth and stone, which is a yes. anthropology, anthropology brand. Everything I've bought of cloth and stone has been tinsel. tinsel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it kind of feels like linen, but it has like kind of a soft finish to the touch. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it feels like not quite as breezy as linen, but still breezy. Yeah. It's kind of in between linen and typical cotton. All right. Another fabric that either love it or hate it it's wool i know some people are like sensitive to wool but also it is a really high quality natural material that people are looking for it also has a bunch of different descriptors to like look into or other words that like are associated with it sometimes too if it's something that's 100 percent wool you might want to include that in your description that is 100 percent wool just on its own that can be a selling point um, that it's not blended with something like polyester or something that's not a natural fabric being that 100%, I feel like does give it a little extra value. They also have like merino wool I see on the tag a lot. Whenever it says that, I feel like it's good to point that out as well. So another type of wool is cashmere, which I guess I don't typically think of cashmere as wool, but it is. So it when you think of cashmere, you think of like super soft material, very like luxury. 100% cashmere items go for a lot more than you know other kinds of sweaters or something like that it's a fiber or jumpers jumpers. (laughs) (laughs) so cashmere is actually made out of goat wool so yeah i know i feel like when you think of regular wool sometimes you can think of scratchy or itchy but when you think of cashmere it's like very soft another textile we wanted to bring up is silk so silk if something is like 100% silk or even like a silk blend that can be desirable and something to note in the description as well silk again is a natural protein fiber that is used you know you think of silk as like silky and kind of shiny so kind of lightweight usually yeah maybe like pajama bottoms also like a lot of blouses Um, from higher end brands are typically made with like 100% silk and you can always just feel that it's like that super soft silky material then there's also like satin which I think is a little bit different um for like slip dresses and stuff that can be a good word to use to describe those too but yeah there's all different types of fabric and high quality materials another thing 
that I wanted to bring up just because I was getting them confused and they are really not the same at all (laughs) is smocked versus rouge. So I was using these interchangeably. (laughs) So rouge is more of like, sometimes on the side of dresses, there'll be like a little string and you can like pull it up or down to make it more like, it's like the fabrics gathering gathering yeah of like little like bubbles almost in the dress that is what rouged is where can you explain the other one i still don't really know (laughs) smocked is usually like i see it a lot in like summer dresses where like the bodice of the dress it'll be like fabric and then it's like sewn together with like a stretchy elastic thread and like the fabric itself is kind of like folded over each other and then that way, when it's completed, the whole bodice is kind of like a very like stretchy, um, yeah. So it's like the fabric is taken and folded, kind of like an accordion, almost like pleated, but then it's sewn with this like elastic. I feel like I see this all the time with like the square neck tops and dresses, where yeah. it's like a stretchy bodice. Um, and if you're not sure of that word, smocked. Um, it's a really good one to know to describe that because I'm sure it's going to be popular again this spring and summer. Give it a Google if you're if you're if I'm not doing a good job describing it, uh, but it's like that stretchy. No, I think you're nailing it. Stretchy, foldedy, stretchy. <laughs> <laughs> that helped clear it up for me. So love it. Where ruched is more like ruched is still kind of folded over, but bigger. Yeah, and, and more, more sideways. It's kind of just gathered. Yeah, yeah. You might have like a ruched. Like, I'm thinking, too, like, for a summer term here, for the spring, summer, for, like, swim. Like, sometimes, like, the one, like, the high-waist swim bottoms will have, like, a ruched detail. Ruched is also, like, super flattering, I feel like. Like, a lot of, like, dresses, they use ruched to, like, kind of hide any areas maybe you don't want too much emphasis on. It'll kind of... It's very slimming, too. Yeah. Because it kind of, like... Definitely, awesome. if you if any of these words are new to you, definitely look them up. We learned a lot of them, you know, in preparation for this episode. But I think it's only going to help make our descriptions better and better. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, if you liked today's episode, feel free to tell your friends about it. Sisters We Posh. Let them know you're listening. Share it on Instagram. Leave us five stars on Apple Podcast. We love seeing those. It totally makes our day. Yes. And if you have a question or feedback, feel free to send us an email, sisterswhoposh at gmail.com or send us a DM on Instagram at sisterswhoposh. We love to hear what you guys think about the episodes or if you have any tips for us. We're definitely still learning and would love to hear from you let us know on either email or Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Sisters Who Posh. We will be back next Tuesday with another episode. Love you, Tay. Love you too. Bye. Bye.